Welcome to our podcast, All About the Car, brought to you by Sheryl Tire and Service. I'm your host, Rob Hoffman, an auto service specialist with over 44 years of industry experience. Back with me today, our regular guest, Brian Call, a veteran in the automotive industry with over 40 years of experience. Hello, Brian. Hey, Rob. Looking forward to the ride today. Glad to have you back. And Bill Sherl, a guy that's been driving a long time and always has a lot of great questions. Hello, Bill. Hello, Rob. Nice sunny day for a drive. Well, let's hop in, buckle up, and hit the road. Today, we're talking about tire repair explained. So we're going to dig in deep into tire repair. And yes, it is a thing. So picture this. It's Monday morning. Just got back home late last night from a long weekend out of town. Yep. And Monday is staring straight at you in the face. And if that's not enough, you're running 10 minutes late for work. You grab your lunch and the car keys and out the door you go. While you're opening the door, something just doesn't feel right. You look down and lo and behold, a flat tire. Has this ever happened to you? No. <laughs> Thank God. Well, you're not the Sorry. average. <laughs> as grim as this story sounds, it could have been a lot worse. You could have happened while you were on your way to work. That way you're not at home, but you're out there on the road somewhere. That has happened to me. <laughs> you know, on average, a driver will have a flat tire once every five years. So, Bill, you've beat the odds. I've beaten the odds. Thank God. But chances are it's going to happen to all of us as drivers at one time or another. And how flat is the flat that we're talking about? Like flat, like the rim is well, on that the one, ground? Yeah, this story here, it's probably down to the ground because it okay. doesn't feel right as you reach for that door handle and you realize there's a tilt to the car, which Fair would enough. happen with a okay. flat tire. But one thing we got to do is if this does happen in the second scenario that I pointed out happening on the road, you got to think safety for sure. And we had a previous podcast of emergency breakdown. So make sure that you listen to that for tips on what to do in a situation like that. But that would be the worst case scenario. So the big question is, what do we do next? We've got to get that tire off the car. We've got to make this car roll again. Brian, what's the next step here? Well, you got a couple different options at that point. Many insurance policies have roadside assistance where you could get somebody to come out and actually change the tire, put your spare on. Otherwise, you roll up your sleeves and jump in and start changing that tire. If you've never done it, there's some safety things to be concerned about. Definitely start with the owner's manual. Are you parked on an incline? Do we need to chalk the wheels to make sure that car doesn't roll when you jack it up? So some safety concerns definitely involved at that point. So is it safe to assume that that is a bad tire now? I can't use that tire anymore. Or is this something that can be fixed? We have no idea at this point. We've got to take the tire off the rim and inspect it and determine what happened. There's many times that you're driving down the road and you're not aware that the tire is losing air pressure at that point and there could be some internal damage done. So... The only way to know for sure is to actually get it off. So the tire and wheel have to come off the car, and then the tire needs to come off the rim yep, to correct. be inspected properly. And we repair dozens and dozens every day. So most of the time it's repairable. But there are occasions where that tire cannot be repaired because of either running flat or the size of the injury. So one way or the other, we have to get that tire to... And the service rim. professional. And rim. Tire expert. And rim. Tire and rim. Absolutely. <laughs> We're not having them dismount <laughs> the tire. That's not the encouragement here. We're not having to dismount the tire. So wouldn't be a good idea to take it over to my neighbor where he has fixed his own tires before? I would highly encourage you to not do that. And why is that? Because we don't know 
is wrong with the tire. There can be internal tire damage that you cannot see from the outside. And unfortunately, there's a lot of places that do just put in a, a plug. The plug is not a repair. That is one piece of the repair. So we actually have to dismount it to find out what's going on inside. Serious injury could happen if we don't inspect it and do it properly. So this really needs to be done professionally. Absolutely. I know on a lot of trunks, I have seen a can, I guess a fix-a-flat can or a slime, or is that what that's called? That's actually becoming more popular again. Many cars are not coming with spare tires anymore. At one point, there were certain cars that came with run-flat tires, so you can drive up to 50 miles, under 50 miles an hour with no air pressure in the tire, and the tire is potentially still good. You still have to inspect it and go through the proper process. But with the fix-a-flat, airing up the tire, it may or may not work for you, depending on what the injury was. So my takeaway from this is that the slime or the sealant repair and the quick plug are just temporary solutions. to get you off the road. Gotcha. Now, you also made a comment that the majority of tires are repairable, but some obviously then aren't. Correct. It depends on the size of the injury. So we can repair up to a quarter inch hole in the tire as long as it's within the tread. So approximately the outer inch, inch and a half, two inches of the tread is a area that the tire is not repairable and anywhere on the sidewall, the tire is not repairable. So it has to be Three quarters, 75% of the tread itself, that injury can then be repaired. And what is typically the cause of most damage or tire injury? There is no typical thing. We've had porcupine quills. Oh, my word. I've seen many bullets. You've seen bullets in tires. Yep. I've seen one that actually discharged the bullet inside the tire. I've only seen that once. (laughs) I've seen stop strips that police use to stop a fleeing car, but one of those components that's in there fell out and got into somebody else's tire. They caught the wrong guy. (laughs) (laughs) One of the funniest ones I've seen was we had a car towed into the shop. The axle shaft, the constant velocity joint broke, so that car didn't move. And a couple hours later, we had a car towed in because it had a flat tire. They ended up being in the same parking lot, and a piece of the CV shaft that broke ended up in the tire of the other car. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Pieces of plastic, of course, your nails, things like that. So is glass normally? Like, I always see a traffic accident, and I always think, I want to steer around that. We see glass every day. Okay, so it is a wise thing to move around and not necessarily just drive through broken glass or something like that from an accident, even though it's windshield and it seems like that shouldn't be sharp. Safety glass will still go through a car. Okay. Or tire. Or plastic fragments of bumper plastic. Those are super sharp. Those will go through a lot easier than the safety glass. And many, many occasions, it's the rear tire. The front tire flips it up and gets the item moving, and then the rear tire hits. So more often than not, if there's an injury that caused the tire to go flat, more often than not, it's the rear tire. I also think like this being kind of spring weather with more water and puddles, that 
don't drive through puddles because you have no idea what is in the puddle. And the other thing with that is the water acts as a lubricant to make the item go into the tire easier. Okay. Another good reason I didn't think of. We have a link on our website at allaboutthecarpodcast.com that describes what are the repairable and non-repairable conditions of a tire. So make sure you check that out and give you a better idea of what we're talking about. One of the number one reason for a tire to lose air pressure and potentially be considered flat is the rim corrodes. The aluminum wheels on so many cars over the course of time, four, five, six years, that aluminum rim starts to oxidize and it breaks the seal between the rim and the tire. That is our actually our number one reason that we're repairing tires. So that's really not a problem with the tire. It's not the tire itself. That just gets scraped the rim and relubricated. We clean it off yep. and put a sealer on it and put it back together. That one really shows up with weather temperature changes. The temperature gets really cold or the temperature gets really hot. You get that big change in temperature that really, your scenario about getting out Monday morning, going into the garage, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a bead leak. That's what you call that as a bead leak. Yep. And that's a good thing because I don't have to buy a new tire. Nope. It's an easy repair as long as you haven't driven on it low on air pressure. And from what I understand, what I know from all the years of experience is you don't have to drive too far to ruin a tire without air. A couple hundred yards is very common to ruin a tire. So if this situation happens on the highway where you're traveling at 55, 60 miles an hour, you probably can't stop fast enough to save that tire. More often than not, correct. And you still need to get off to the side of the road safely. And you're just going to have to drive on it longer to get to that point. Well, as we always do in our All About the Car podcast, we're going to take a side trip. This time, we're going to take a side trip to Anago, Wisconsin. And what is an Anago, you might say? And that's the Raptor Education Group Incorporated, or as we know it, Reggie. The Raptor Education Group is a nonprofit organization dedicated to the care and rehabilitation of injured or orphaned native bird species and public education of wildlife issues. They have three goals, to create a safe haven for injured wildlife while they heal and until they are ready to be released back into the wild, to develop nutritional protocol, rehabilitation, methods, and husbandry based on the natural history of the bird to assure a successful release, and to create a broader understanding of native birds, their behavior, and habitat needs among the public and the scientific community. And that's the interesting part for me is just the education of this. And when I looked at them online, it's just amazing the size of these raptor birds. For example, everybody knows about the bald eagle. They're just huge. And they are there to make sure that these birds survive and are healed before they release them. Just a beautiful area up there, too. And it's a great place to, I mean, I think that if someone sees an injured bird along the roadside or in your yard or whatever, this would be a great place to call that they will possibly come and get it to be able to take it back to heal it and release it again. Absolutely. So what I see here, just like you said, Bill, this is the place to call when you see that. Many of these birds, owls, red-tailed hawks, things like this are hit by cars. If you see that happen or it happens to you, this is the place to call. They also have a lot of education, as the name implies, a lot of education opportunities for youth and young children, ages 7 to 9 and then 10 to 13. And actually, camp registration opened March 29th of this year, 
You can check them out online and they have a phone number there you can call. But there's a lot of good things going on at the Raptor Education Group Incorporated in Antigo. So make sure you check them out. None of us have been there, but we all made comments that we would like to go there and check it out. Yes, I've always wanted to. And I don't know if you can, but high motivation for me to be able to hold an eagle or a raptor on my hand. And I would imagine with the right equipment, I'm sure they put yes, something on your arm. <laughs> yeah. And all that type of thing that you get to see, you know, like falconry, the good old medieval days when they go out and the raptor goes out and gets your food or attacks somebody and then comes back. I think I'd feel a little intimidated with that bald eagle on my arm because it's going to stand a lot taller than I am at that, that point. That's probably true. Maybe a baby. <laughs> well, let's dig back into this tire repair issue we've talked about. Make some sense of this. Uh, we found out earlier it's not just a matter of a plug and some liquid. This has got to be done right. So we want to debunk the myths. We want to talk about proper tire repair. At Sheryl Tire and Service, we do a lot of tire repairs. Brian, how many tire repairs do we make in a year? Oh, my goodness. Over 10,000? Over 10,000. It's a lot. It, so we know it well. We know the proper way of doing it. If you had to run through the steps on a proper tire repair, Brian, what would that look like? The proper procedures are put together by TIA, the Tire Industry Association. And TIA has many of the tire manufacturers, the retreaders, the original equipment, car manufacturers, all a part of this organization, and they put together the, the proper procedures to do it. So step one is to do your initial inspection, see if you can find out where the injury is, what happened, how do we get into this situation here. The next would be to dismount the tire and find out what's going on in the inside. More often than not, if the tire has been driven on low air pressure or flat, the inside of the tire will be damaged by the rim and you may not be able to see anything from the outside. When this happens more times than not, there's a handful or two of a powder, which is actually the sidewall coming apart and just floats around inside. Once that's happened, the tire is not repairable. So if it is repairable, if it's within that tread area that I talked about earlier, we have to take a probe, go down in, make sure there's nothing still in the tire. And then we buff the inside of the tire so that we get an adhesion with the patch. So that's the prepping of it. And then we can use a plug and a patch combo kit, or we can use a plug and a patch that are separate. The patch is put in for the air retention, and the plug is put in to keep water from wicking into the steel belts and causing a problem down the road. So the plug actually fills the hole. Where the eliminates the is. hole. Correct. Okay. And that keeps water from wicking in and causing further damage. If you do a patch without a plug or you do a plug without a patch, neither one of those are a proper repair. They both have to be done in conjunction with each other. And then we put the tire back on and air it up and make sure everything's good to go. So that really comes back to what we talked about earlier, where if the tire isn't actually dismounted off the rim, it's not a proper repair. There is no way to know the condition of that tire without dismounting it. Definitely hard to get the patch on. <laughs> That's <laughs> going to sure. be tough. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there's no doubt that if it can be done at all, it needs to be done right. And does a proper repair, has that taken anything off the life of the tire at all? No, not at all. That tire will run throughout the tread and be good permanently. So basically we can just continue on down the road and act like it never happened if it's done correctly. 
Yeah, that's correct. You can have multiple patches in the same tire. The patches can't overlap, but you can have three, four, five patches in there. Really? Okay. And unfortunately, it's probably more than once every five years you're getting a yeah, tire, a flat thinking. tire, but <laughs> it does happen. And it, we do see it. If it's under a quarter inch, it's not really damaging the steel belt? Correct. Okay. Yep. That's why actually years ago, it was three eighths of an inch. And over the course of time, they tightened up the standard to a quarter of an inch. Brian, one thing that has always amazed me is something as small as a tack. In some cases, even a little piece of wire can penetrate tough rubber tire. It just doesn't make any sense. You talked earlier about water being almost like a lubricant, but Mm -hmm. I still don't get it. Any insight on that? I'm amazed every day, just like you are. (laughs) Uh, Especially with a steel belted tire. Yep. And toothpicks. I've seen those go through. Little pieces of plastic, plastic toothpicks. It's just amazing what can go through it. And like I said earlier, it's typically the rear tire and that that front tire gets the object just a flipping and it hits that back tire just right. That makes sense. I think your theory is right on though, because that's, it just disrupts whatever's laying in the road and sends it into the rear, I guess, you know, and it's just amazing that this can even happen because most of these items aren't sticking up with a sharp part up. They're usually on its side or down in many cases. And the amount of drivers that come in and say, I didn't hit anything. You're traveling at 60, 65, 70 miles an hour. And you're right. You don't see it on. So we can't steer around these things? <laughs> no, not these little <laughs> things like this. So there's no secret on how to avoid these things in the road, unless uh, it's a big deer antler or something like I that. I always see those too. <laughs> <laughs> Drive around the accident. <laughs> One of the funniest ones I had was, it was a coil of roofing nails. So a full coil of roofing nails is about 50 nails, and it hit the sidewall of this tire, and every single nail was in the tire. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That one was not repairable. You know, at Sherrill Tire, we've done so many tire repairs, as Brian referred to earlier. A couple of our tire centers have uh, jars at the front counter where we have all the items that we've pulled out of tires for display. We filled those jars many times over and over, but I remember at one point always commenting that we had a knife, fork, and a spoon, and there was also a piece of white ceramic in there that had gone through, so that was the kitchen sink. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of different things, and Brian had mentioned earlier about the bullet that actually discharged, so you see everything. Great conversation pieces at the counter. It really is. When we got those jars out. Now, you were talking earlier about your theory on how the front tire kicks up the item into the back tire. My theory is it seems as though we have seen over the years more tire repairs after a hard rain or even after the snowplow goes through. Now, my theory behind that is that the hard rain is washing all these items all over the road and disrupting them just like that front tire would. Yep. And the same case would be with a snowplow. Absolutely. Snowplow moving it around the road from the side or to the side from the middle. Or hits a bigger object and makes it into a smaller object. So absolutely. So really what I'm taking away from this is there's, as a driver, there's not a lot you can do. You can't really avoid this other than having probably the deepest tread you can. I mean, having good tires, if you're running with a tire with low tread, you're probably more apt to be able to puncture that. Actually, I've seen brand new tires. Seen everything. Okay. Called Luck of the Irish. (laughs) Had had a gentleman that made it two miles and ruined a brand new tire. Oh, that would just make me sick. But we do have warranties for that. We do. We do. Thank goodness. (laughs) And you did mention earlier about bead leaks, where it's not really a tire issue. In a lot of cases, sometimes you'll have all four tires losing Mm -hmm. air, and that TPMS light or sensor will come on on the dash. Yep. 
So most likely when it's all four, you really don't it's, have four punctures? No. Okay. No. It's unusual to have two tires. It has happened. Same side of the car, hit a two by four with some nails sticking out. But usually if you got more than one tire, it's a bead leak. And when you happen to get into the situation where you have a bead leak, was there a big temperature change? Did the temperature drop overnight? The biggest thing at that point is to get air in it. Normally, you've got time. Usually, it takes two, three, four days, a week, two weeks for that to go down again. So it's not like you're stranded. Get it aired up as quickly as possible. Keep an eye on it. Your tire pressure monitor light will definitely be your friend at that point. Make sure that it does stay aired up. But you don't have to take care of it immediately so you can get on with your day. So if it does go down again, see Shell well, Tire and Service. Yep, you should definitely get it done. <laughs> but it can be at your convenience at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brian, we've talked about the tires that can be repaired, but what about the tires that can't be? In that particular case, you'll probably have to replace it, either with a used tire or a new tire. One of the special circumstances that takes place is on all-wheel drive vehicles. With an all-wheel drive, the tires have to be within a couple of 30 seconds. Remember, that's the tread depth. Otherwise, if you tried to put a new tire on to replace that one that was damaged with three tires that happen to be at half tread or less, and if you would put that new tire on, there's the potential for ruining the drive line on an all-wheel drive car. And a lot of people, when they get into that position, it's not a pleasant conversation. Not understanding that you could do three, four, five thousand dollars worth of damage by simply putting on a new tire that's got significantly more tread than the tires that ex- exist on the car right now. One of the things that you can do to get around that is hopefully they have a used tire with about the same amount of tread on it. So typically, do our shops have those used tires, or most of them? Available? We have some. It just depends on what size is on your car. And all-wheel drive cars are very popular up in our neck of the woods here. It's pretty much the common car right now, isn't it? There's a lot of them with all-wheel drive. And like I said, it is not a pleasant conversation because there's a possibility you could be buying four tires. From just one damaged tire. From one being damaged, it's not Not repairable. Damaged and repairable, too. Repairable is no problem. That's fine, that's right. Yep, we can just fix it and you're good to go. But if that tire is not repairable from being driven on flat, running the sidewall, and we end up having to repair it, and you got 20, 30,000 miles on those tires, unfortunately, we can't do it. So mechanically, it kind of messes with the gearing. Is Absolutely. All four need to be working exactly the same, same diameters. Makes a lot of sense. That'd be a bummer. Well, we've covered a lot today in our Tire Repair Explained podcast, where we talked about what is repairable, what's not. And yes, tires can be repaired. You don't have to throw them away. We also answered a lot of listener questions out there and covered quite a bit, as a matter of fact. So right along with us next time when we talk about buying a used car, where it's all about the car. To listen to previous episodes, find additional resources, or to simply send us a message, head to allaboutthecarpodcast.com. We'll see you next time.